Ships. Now there's still no word on the cure for the virus. Report suspicious activity in the call 911. <laughs> Howdy folks, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, pal. Hey, man. How we doing? Good, man. Uh, you know, so last week we talked about... All right, dude. Um, okay. Listen. I know that we had a plan to do oh this elaborate thing, but since this past week was one of my favorite person on the planet's birthday, mm-hmm. and that's Mr. Woody Brown. Yes, thank you, thank you. Happy 49th, my friend. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought, you know what? It's been a minute since we've caught up. I've kind of been going wild with soccer tournaments and my sister-in-law getting married and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff, I thought, why don't we just catch up? Because we really haven't done that in a minute, and uh, I think I think it's, yeah. it's time we did that. Yeah, man, okay. Well, I mean, I was excited about talking about what I had planned, but I'm pretty <laughs> used, well, I'm getting used to it now, of you just pivoting and going in a different direction, so I agree, man. So, uh, yeah, uh, what do you want to talk about? Well, you know, I think that I haven't seen it yet. I have read a little bit of it. Okay. But for our manga fans out there, why don't you get into your response to the new One Piece show at Live action? Okay, cool. Well, let me just let me just kind of set the scene here. So obviously I've talked about it on the show before. My my kids have, have just been in love with One Piece since we started reading it. I guess right before the summer. So Mm-hmm. And you know we've been reading it nonstop. I'm still not caught up to the the last book that was released, which is wait book. a minute. You said that you you guys just started before the summer, yeah. And how many books has? Well, right now there's only 103 okay books, and I'm on book 96. But okay. you know my oldest my oldest has been done for like weeks, man. I mean, he just would oh. read like three or four yeah. a day, just nonstop. So, Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, it's just some of the best stories ever. And I mean, I could just go on and on about it, but... Can you give like sort of a, sort of like a rough synopsis of like w- what it's even about? I mean, yes. It, like sort of just very, very long story short kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. about this main character named Luffy. And he's a kid who wants to be a pirate. Now, obviously, in the world, pirates are thought of as despicable robbers, looters, you know, bad guys. But this kid sees being a pirate as more of being in it, you know, going on an adventure, hunting for treasure that's somewhere, right? Not necessarily like stealing from someone else. Mm -hmm. Anyway, along the way, he kind of, I don't know, comes across this cast of characters that he ends up 
building his own crew out of these people who have these incredible backstories and they just go on this mutual adventure together eventually. And, you know, in general, the entire series and the stories are all about friendship and family. And, and, and when I say family, I mean not even having to be blood related, but that, that feeling of, of being a family with your friends and everybody, you know, being adventurous and having goals and pursuing your dreams. And it's just, it's just fantastic, man. Mm. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I feel like Ichira Oda is maybe, if not the, but one of the greatest storytellers of all time. Yeah. And yeah. so it's just, I promise you, I would not be reading it if I didn't, if I wasn't just instantly sort of captivated. I mean, it's like they took, it's like a mix of Goonies and global folklore that he sprinkles in there. And you know, that same sort of feeling you get when you watch Goonies, how they oh, were yeah. obsessed with pirates and stuff too. It wasn't because, same with us when we were kids, it wasn't because like, oh, well, someday I want to be a pirate and grow up and like rape and pillage. It's more, hey, I want to go on these adventures together and we're out to sea and there's just like this grand, you know, idea. Anyway, that's the general sort of synopsis of what One Piece is all about. It's much more complex and stuff and there's all kinds of stuff that happens, but that's just general, okay? I will mm-hmm. say this. Uh, um, so in the books, there's not really, you know, sometimes you have to kind of watch out for a lot of inappropriate things in manga just because, you oh, know, in yeah. the Western world, some of those jokes are deemed sort of, you know, a little too racy or sometimes it's just straight up nudity. Oh, yeah. In One Piece, the manga... Every now and then there will be like a bad word, light, you know, like Mm -hmm. hell or okay? Right. Which isn't... It's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. In the anime, they boosted that to include words like bad or like shit Mm. and sometimes damn too. That That came over to the live action. Yeah. So in other words, well, it's just so hard. First, let me give my overall review, which is I love it. Okay. Okay, good. But there are a couple of things where I'm like, oh, man, I would have made a different choice. First off, I'm going to tell you, Tyler, but anybody listening with a kid younger than 10, I would say hold off or message me directly. I'll tell you exactly when to sort of like fast forward through it. Pivot, yeah. Because there's one part in the very first episode where this guy chops a bad guy literally like in half his oh. torso is just like punk and it's just like huh and, and so that was a little much could have yeah. completely done without that scene i say that and there's adults that started reading this in the late 90s because it came out in 97 the first book mm-hmm. that are old wow. enough yeah been at it a long time yep yep and then a lot of those anime fans are used to that kind of violence and stuff so i think that that so far is the sort of quote unquote worst thing, but but is, but is the is the manga like is it violent like that? There's some there's some violent moments, but most of it is still kind of cartoony a little bit. And yeah, since right. it's black and white, right? It, you know, it doesn't really. And even the anime, there's violent moments, but it's not like that necessarily. And mm-hmm. still, since it's a cartoon, it it kind of doesn't seem as as intense. Yeah, right. So I think. My, and I'm not, I, I've, I'm on, there's only eight episodes. Each one's about an hour and some change, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I'll say the amount of care and attention, and you can tell that they worked, everybody, from yeah. the, the, the 
you know, set designers to the construction crew to the, I mean, every single person. It's one of those shows where you can tell every single detail, every aspect was very well taken care of. I'm just, my curiosity is like, will people who, so Anne started watching it and she enjoys it. It makes sense. I think. Oh, any, really? Yeah, yeah. Any gripes that I think deal. people have are going to be more along the lines of like, that they kind of compressed a lot of stuff into these eight episodes. But I think the way that they did it was really, really smart because, you know, the format of this versus what it originated in, right? Right. It originated in a weekly comic strip, if you will. Not really a comic strip, but, you know, it's like a like a small chapter, you know, 10 pages or something, mm -hmm. maybe more. Yeah. And it comes out every single week. And so you can kind of really, not even, it's almost a necessity to kind of draw out a lot of detail and stuff like that. In a live action show, to connect to these characters emotionally, I think they did it great because you, they show their backstory and I don't know, man, it's just, it's awesome. But I wonder if people are going to appreciate it as yeah. much as I do, having just been immersed in this for the last like, you know, four or five months. Yeah. Do you, do you know how many episodes are are supposed to be... You know, no, I don't even know if on it's... On the show. So, so they released eight, and that's it. And so they wow. released it all, so you can binge it. I've binged, I'm on the seventh episode right now. Man. And, I mean, my kids loved it. The whole first episode, we, we did this whole thing where it came out on a Thursday. I promised them that I would not watch it on my own until Friday night. We went to this new store in Georgia. There's one in New York that we went to, and it's mm -hmm. called like Tezo Life or something. It's a Japanese store. Mm -hmm. They just opened one in Duluth, uh, which is just north of Atlanta for everybody not from uh Dude, from there's this new, that new manga store like in Brazelton that we got to mm. check out. Yeah, we do need to check that one out. But this place has like food and stuff oh, like that. Because right, I, right. I wanted to get like just tons of Japanese snacks and stuff and just yep. make it like a big deal. And so we got all the snacks ready. It was like our night. And the whole time, you know, obviously we'd seen the live action trailer and stuff, but they did that really well too. They left a lot of stuff to be desired. And so when we were watching the first episode of the show, it was like, we like me and the kids just kept looking at each other like, oh, that's, you know, like, oh man, dude, it was incredible. So it was a cool experience. Yeah. You know, do I wish they wouldn't cuss as much? Sure. But I think I think it's amazing, man. It's really cool because there's still this sort of like fun aspect of it. There's a serious aspect of it. There's kind Is of it, like a darker, creepy aspect of it in certain parts hmm. with some of the villains. And then there's this overarching sort of theme of Luffy being like, it's impossible not to be inspired by this kid. And, and the casting, dude, I haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah. To me... Spot on. Yeah, and I mean, you were saying that even just from like the, the, the trailer. trailer. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the character's like, I thought Zoro, and in the manga, it's spelled Z-O-L-O. Hmm. I've read that that's because that was Oda's way of <laughs> like bypassing the uh, copyright. Yeah. <laughs> and so he comes, oh. he wrote it, the The English translation is Zolo, but it's pronounced Zoro in the in the anime and everything. So anyway, <laughs> That's he, awesome. I thought he was a cool character before. Dude, jeez, he is just so bad at the bone, man. And oh, just, it's so good, man. It's so good. I would mm -hmm. just say the downside is that I wouldn't show it to your kids just yet. Mm -hmm. At least watch it first so you know when to like... You know, I, I I just wouldn't. I don't think so. Man, I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but speaking of pirates, have you? I just ran across this thing the other day 
that's kind of fascinating. And I'm, I'm totally going to butcher it because I don't know. I haven't really like looked into it, but I just, yeah. I happen to run across it like on Instagram or whatever. But it's this sort of fan theory that Peter Pan actually may be the villain of the story. Have you heard this? Oh, man. A long time ago, I remember somebody saying something like that. Yeah, dude. It, it's, it kind of blew me away a little bit because it's like, you know, we just sort of take for granted, like, oh, it's his his merry group of, like, the Lost Boys and, and Captain Hook's the bad guy. Well, this theory kind of suggests that, like, I guess the reason... So he's basically, like, kidnapping, like, orphans in a way. And, like, he's, like, killing the kids uh, when they start to go into, like, adulthood, like the Lost Boys. Mm. And so, like, that's why it's always just perceived that, like, Everyone else never grows up, whereas like Peter, he doesn't grow up, I guess, because he's, I don't know, magical or or whatever. Right. But it's just that there's like this whole thing and then like Captain Hook and the rest of the pirates and his crew, they're the ones who chose to grow up or whatever. So they're like always at odds with like Peter and mm. I don't know, it's this weird like sort of, you know, it's like one of those things where suddenly you're like, God, I've never even thought of that. But yeah, I feel like there was something like this, too, with Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Oh, really? Yeah, and there was also one, <laughs> yeah, and there was also one about, you know, of course, Johnny from Karate Kid and how, like, Danielson was actually the bully. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Well, the, well, you know, they kind of do explore that on, uh, what's Cobra the show? Cobra Kai. Yeah, Cobra Kai, that's yeah. right. That's, the, that's such a weird show for me because it's so entertaining, but at the same time, like... And this is a theme that's going to pop up a lot on this episode, so get used to it, folks. But it's this this sort of concept of, like, who's the show being written for? Yeah. Like, Cobra Kai, for example, is a, is the perfect example of this because, okay, so we're, we're doing a show that's kind of campy, kind of cheesy, but it's appealing to the people that grew up with the Karate Kid movies. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I think the brilliant part about it is it is showing a... Uh, it, it is showing like an alternative look at the story where, right. oh, wait a minute, Johnny was motivated by this and and now we're seeing this sort of down and out Johnny mm-hmm. and we're sort of picking up where, you know, Daniel-san like won and went on to have a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. And they kind of switch roles. I mean... A little bit, yeah. That's honestly especially that first season and you know into the second season and stuff i actually mm-hmm. really liked it because of that you know it, it yeah, it's too. a really cool way to illustrate that like man some of those like dynamics and stuff back in uh, back in high school and as mm-hmm. you're growing up and stuff are certainly far more complex than hey uh, that person's a soch and that person's a green now i just right. made it sound like i grew up in the 50s but <laughs> dude uh, outsiders that's my yeah i know i know uh oh cherry Cherry Valance. Oh, she was something. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? I got distracted by uh, Diane Lane. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always forget that it was Diane Oh, Lane. I don't forget. Oof, boy. Man. Incredible. Um, yeah, no, the dynamics of, like, that high school. Yeah, yeah. They're more they're more complex mm-hmm. than just, like, you belong in this, in this group. And everybody's kind of, at different points in your life, you're going to sort of evolve into different, I don't know, areas that you need to kind of like, different challenges that you need to overcome, you know? And like Johnny came from like a a well-to-do family and then, you know, after his defeat, because he put so much importance in that to 
he had no he had nothing else right and so now he's sort of yeah. like trying to, that's that journey, that character arc of trying to discover who he is and why he's important and then on the flip side daniel's son coming from nothing and basically building himself up winning that tournament becoming something having you know a, a good mentor in his life mm-hmm. and then riding that success and then sort of just kind of falling into that trap of you know, looking down on other people and, and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. And, and you're right, though. That is another thing that's kind of difficult. It's, it's a difficult challenge, I think, for anybody making something such as One Piece or Cobra Kai because you've got an audience of such a broad age range that you're trying to sort of please them all. But my, my question is always this, because I think this is where you were going with that, yeah. like, gripe about Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why it feels like they don't know who they're, targeting or who they're appealing to is like you'll have this really heartfelt moment or whatever and then all of a sudden it's just like this maybe like upper end of pg-13 either phrase or theme and you're like whoops uh you know and so it's like i always wonder are there really going to be that many adults that are like man this show is just too cheesy no one said the word right you know like leaving that out is it really that big of a, of a yes, deal? Yes, that, that, that's exactly what I mean. I mean, it again, like I like the show because uh, it's sort of standing on the shoulder of like this franchise that was so beloved, mm-hmm. uh, especially as like a kid growing up in the 80s. My wife had never seen any of them early in our marriage. And it's the only time that I can think where I literally slammed on the brakes of <laughs> of the car I was driving when she told me that, oh, man. Um, because dude, I was obsessed with those movies. Yeah, dude. I mean, watched those movies so many times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the show is it's like on paper it sounds like it would be perfect, and there is a lot of things about it that are they're really great. There's a lot of really cheesy acting though, yeah. and it is kind of in this like sort of like like WB or CW style, right, right. You know, which all that is like okay. That, that works, even though I'm not a huge fan of, like, the CW kind of style. But everything I've said thus far, like, makes sense. It's like, okay, cool. This is a what this would be a great sort of a little bit on the campy side. Um, but then if you think about the, the movies, like, they had little bits of that. Like, him dressing up, like, with a shower curtain. Yeah. And, like, which is so funny. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, it kind of goes along with it. But then, like you said, it's like, drop the F-bomb or, like, mm-hmm. Or like make weird sort of like sexual references and stuff, right. and it's it's like who like who's making these decisions? Like yeah. who's who it, is this for? Also, is there something else going on here? Like, are we just getting old, and yeah, because maybe. we have kids that are like younger, it, it kind of like is abrasive to us? But maybe if you're if you don't have kids, or if you're those kids age and older, you're just like, man, will those old guys just like chill out? Who cares if we say the word? It could be, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just feel like there's smarter ways to do it. I'll give you a brilliant example of how to drop the F-bomb in a movie that is relatively for kids slash adults, and that is at the very end. After these messages, we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a pretty good place if you're a Martian. Or a vampire. vampire. You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. In fact, it's the last scene of Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm -hmm. When Tom Holland is in his room, he's just... Peter Parker. Yeah, or playing Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. And he has just, like, overcome all this craziness. He's finally back at home. He kind of swings in his window. And he's changing... I think he's still in the Spidey suit. And he, like, takes off the the mask or whatever. And then you see uh, Aunt May, who's played by the lovely and big-time crush, Marissa Tomei, Mm. and she just says, what the? And then right at the second that her mouth forms the letter F, it cuts to credits and the Ramones, and it's like, dude, my son thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever seen, even to this day. And it's like, (laughs) it it conveys that word and the humor around it without having to actually say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing, like, even within the new Star Wars movies, when they say damn or hell, it's kind of like, mm, is it necessary? I mean, I understand that they're like riding in today's sort of vernacular, I guess, but yeah, I just but think I, there's smarter ways to do that without I mean, I, coming across as like a cheesy kids show or, you know. Yeah, but my, my thing is it's like, it is a cheesy kids show. Like, yeah. Like, for all intents and purposes, it 100% is a, a CW show yeah. from the way it, it's You're shot. talking about... Um, uh, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just so like jarring. I mean, it's kind of, I think also like because it is so reminiscent of like the CW, it's like, it would be like if you were watching Smallville or what was the other big one? Like, I guess Arrow and that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you just, just out of nowhere, you hear like a f- and it's like, God. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, even then, that, that just kind of, uh, yes, you know, start, that, it startled me. That was my point. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't totally get it. I'm not but. pleased by it in the one piece, but it doesn't it doesn't seem so uh misplaced, really. It, mm-hmm. You know, in the things that I read online, I haven't read a single sort of like anyone sort of just bombing it. I mean, everyone says like it looks like the live action curse has been broken because every single that's what so many people in a lot of these forums and stuff mm. have been saying like all of the anime live action adaptations are just garbage because you can't, it's so hard to portray. And, and, you know, even going into this, I was really nervous because there's, you know, one of the things about this universe is there are these things called, and I think I've mentioned this on the show, these things called like devil fruits. And whenever the person eats them, it gives them a certain power. Oh, right, right, yeah. Luffy, the main character, he's almost like made of rubber. There's other people uh, that can do all kinds of different stuff. And I was wondering, like, how are they going to do that visually? I thought they, they I mean, it's still, again, kind of cartoony, but in for Luffy, but for other people that they show, it's way better than I thought they could do it. And it's just, man, it's just so cool. So 
my immediate recommendation to anyone is, is um, I don't know if that's the best introduction to the story, but it's a good mm. one, and I'm, I'm certainly happy about it, and I hope they just continue to go. Because these kids, especially the cast, mm-hmm. deserve to be this crew for, for a long, long time, man. They did an outstanding job. And and they're all pretty young too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think that's kind of, you know, that's kind of something that we're starting to see. Like, oh well, you know, if we want a franchise to last a long time, like, uh, I mean, it, Marvel's kind of do it, doing it. DC, like, since James Gunn is kind of taking everybody. Which, by the way, have you seen the new photos of like the guy that's going to be the new Superman? No, uh, uh-uh. they picked him. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he looks pretty good, man. Really? I mean, he kind of looks like just a younger Henry Cavill. Wow. Which, I mean, I'm still a little a little upset at that because I thought Henry Cavill was so good as Superman. Uh, yeah, he was pretty good. <laughs> you didn't like it, did, did no, you? No, man. He, he just way too many uh, bicep curls. And but you, you, Like, have you ever, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm asking the listener at this point because I already know the answer to it. Has Tyler ever done too many bicep curls? Dude, I used to work it all the time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's been forever, but I know. Yeah. I know. It has, pal. But you know that feeling you get, like, if you do a bunch, like, you, you know the, what the preacher b- bench is? Yeah. It doesn't. Hey, listener, he doesn't know. He's just saying. <laughs> yes, I, do. I literally used to go to the gym every day when I lived. doesn't know what it is. Making yes, it up. Yes, I do. Okay. You anyway. get that good pump going. That's what you're saying. Yeah, to say. you, I got to get a pump in. Yeah. Um, anyway, like, whenever you do too many and you, you just can't even straighten out your arms all the way, they're just too sore. That's Henry Cavill as Superman yeah. all the time. It, it's like his arms won't just be by his side. They're just kind of like permanently shortened. It's like, yes, I don't know, man. It was just, I can see that, he was, yeah. But that said, I think he was a great, he was a great Superman. Yeah. He's just a little, he was just a little too, too pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, man. I love him. He's, he's a great guy. All right, so this is, uh, this is a terrific, well, do you want to, do you want to say anything else? About uh, Cowboy Bebop or whatever show you're. <laughs> Come on, have a little respect. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh no, no, no! I was going to say this. I never read the manga, but I ended up getting an Alita Battle Angel commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's probably a good habit for the people that commissioned me to do artwork, but it's it's also a bad habit because it, it I waste way too much time. But uh, so I try to like, oh man, I I I need to like know the character and. And ended up watching the Battle Angel movie, or the, or I guess it's just called Alita. Mm-hmm. Dude, I thought it was awesome. Have Is it a that? live action? Yeah, that's the one with Scarlett Johansson or whatever. Uh, no, 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 that's Ghost in the Shell. Okay, no, I've never seen it. Alita's pretty awesome. I think your kids would would dig it. I mean, she literally, you know, she's kind of like a cyborg, so she mm. she looks like an anime. Okay, brought into like the real world, which. Uh, I, I think they did a great job. I mean, it looks it looks great, and it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my pivot from that was going to be on to the next thing, which I still haven't seen the last, like, maybe 15 minutes. But a movie came out that we briefly talked about it, but then we were like, well, let's just, let's just hold it for the show. And that is the new movie, The Flash. Ah, yes, dude. What are your okay. thoughts on this pup? Ooh, man. Well, first, I, I got to say, just because of all the trauma and uh, what's yeah. his name? Um, 
Ezra Miller. Yeah, and all the stuff that was going on kind of weirds me out. Yeah. Um, he's a boy. He well, he I mean, really, just, you know, he's like living on a ranch and like holding people captive. I mean, just yeah. very strange stuff. But uh, and so my expectations of the movie were below zero. I wanted to see it just because. I mean, honestly, I probably, I pro- yes, I yeah. wouldn't have seen it. I wouldn't even press. I wouldn't make any kind of an effort to see it mm-hmm. if he hadn't been in it. But that said, Ann and I watched it, and we came away with like, man, that actually wasn't as bad yeah. as I thought. There were plenty of parts that I actually really, really liked. Mm-hmm. This is another example of, you know, there are some certain things that, uh, you know, were a little bit on the older side of PG-13, but at the same time exactly. were so hilarious. Yeah. But I... I Yes, I, I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. I'm glad I didn't pay money necessarily to see it. I yeah. mean, obviously, it, it streams. I do pay for it, but just not in the theater. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I, th- I thought, and again, I still haven't seen like the last maybe 15 minutes, but I did think fan service wise, I think they they hit a lot of things that that you wanted to see. Right. You know, like coming coming from the trailer, seeing you know, Keaton again in the suit. And I think, man, I think they did such a bad job with him. Yeah. Unlike the way they sort of treated the Batman character in Justice League. Mm. And we've talked about that before. I mean, I, I still think the Snyder Cut is actually pretty pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. The original one, the, the guy that did Buffy and Avengers, Josh, Joss Whedon. Yeah. I, boy, I walked away so disappointed with that movie, but... To me, the Snyder Cut, like, I mean, they... I kind of want to rewatch both of them. I feel like I I just don't like a lot of... Gl- the one thing about DC is, like, it lives in this, like, realm of extremes. It's either, like, extremely, like, glossy and, like, um, yeah. plasticky, colorful, like, oversaturated awesome, stuff. Or it's, like, Joker, super dark, like, mm-hmm. really, you know... Uh, almost Suicide like Squad. ultra realistic and stuff, and I, you know, I kind of wanted to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I liked the Snyder cut in a lot of ways better. I liked Whedon's oh, yeah. version better. Music choices. Well, uh, that, I was going to say there, there's one thing that I think is better, and that's the White Stripes song, dude. I mean, seriously, that scene specifically yep. was almost like lost in terms of like how. Yeah freaking bad of the bone it was in the first movie versus yeah. the second one. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one choice that was like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, didn't like, like it. Like, if Joss Whedon did anything right, it was that scene. Yep. Uh, that scene alone totally made me want to watch Aquaman the movie. I'm yeah. disappointed when, now, you want to talk about a movie I hate. <laughs> yeah. Don't even I, get me started, man. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean. Like my heart's was, pumping out of my chest. I, like, I, it makes me, it, it infuriates <laughs> me, that movie. Oh yeah. Here I thought I was gonna have a good day. It's been my week. It's my it's been my birthday this week. I ruined your birthday. And so now I'm just pissed. No, but back to the flash. I think there's so many things that that they just killed it and we'll we'll get into it. But first off, I do have to say, like, and a lot of folks may not know any of this kind of stuff. So for the folks that do know it, like you're rolling your eyes. But a lot of people don't that they think of like, okay, a movie is made, um, you know, it's like a, a a big time like film studio, especially with a movie like The Flash or or like a comic book property. They use uh, this instrument, they call it a camera. 
And like, how deep are we getting here, pal? No, no, no. I'm just going to say. The movie look, is me. No, listen. They look, a lot of people just think like, oh, well, this film studio makes this. They handle all the special effects. They handle all the actors. But in reality, it's like these, these, especially these like massive, big budget movies like The Flash, a lot of the like special effects are sort of farmed out to like mm -hmm. smaller studios. And so that's why sometimes, I mean, even in like Marvel movies, which I think they do a lot better job. Like to me, like DC has dropped the ball so many times when it comes to like their CGI yeah. effects and stuff. But with, you know, like I said, even with the Marvel movies, it'll be like amazing, amazing, amazing. And then there will be a scene where it's like the mouth flap on Thanos is like so bad. And you're like, what happened? What? When? Like, when? Do you, do you, it seems like you have something specific in mind. No, I, I mean, I can see it in my head, but I can't remember. Um, mm -hmm. I can't think of in particular. But like, it's because these movies are so big and that kind of stuff takes so long to create yeah. that they farm out to like these like little like mini studios. Uh, a lot of them are like overseas because it's just the way it is. It's cheaper. Yeah. The labor's cheaper. And so, you know, then it's like, oh, well, this is our this is our deadline. we got to have everything by. So you have – and it's nobody's fault, really. You know, it's like – Although, man, <laughs> like we don't have like a like a <laughs> – I mean, I guess it's just hard to do. And then once – it's just kind of like – you remember that time we were in the mastering studio? We stayed up all night. Yeah. And same. then mixing and stuff. And then we get in there and we're just like, just print it. Dude, my ears were so shot. I couldn't yeah. – I so maybe that's you. what maybe that's that maybe they well, and that's the thing you have these you have these like other studios that are, you know they're kind of bidding to get so for example say say you and I have like midnight radio studios is like we work on like CGI stuff and it's like you know we're gonna we're gonna undersell a bid so that we can get the bid to make a scene where he's you know a montage where like. Like in the Flash, for example, where it shows like he's looking at the multiverse, which I thought looked oh, kind of yeah. dumb. Yeah, I didn't. Well, not. okay, hold on. That concept was amazing. That's what I it was, was going to cool say. Concept. I don't want to like spoiler stuff, but like some of the cameos were incredible. But yeah. then, like, yes, there was like sort of a missed opportunity in terms of the CGI. It was just kind of like, oh, oh god. I mean, to me, like, well, so what I was saying is, like, we're going to, like, undershoot, so which means we're not making what we should make. But we're doing that so that we get our foot in the door, and now our names or our studio is in, like, a big feature film, and that lets us do more and more and more. Well, we're working ourselves to the bone because there's, like, a, a deadline, and it's like that. It's like, uh, well, that's, like, the best that we could possibly do in the time that we had. Yeah. And so you have, like, a bunch of different scenes that are totally different studios you know it's like they're like one studio would handle just the cgi around like his suit the way like his head fits in the suit which i thought was so bad it, it was whose head the, just the flash i thought if you go back and focus it, i mean it's kind of like the same like this with robert downey jr when he's in the iron man suit mm -hmm. when the when the mask like flips up i see what you're saying yeah and it's like it's That's typically it's typically pretty good. I'll tell you on the Iron Man front for you know since we're bashing the DC choices for their, whoever they have working on the mm -hmm. CGI. Yeah, on the Marvel front, the one time that I was like, oh no, was I know in the Avengers. The, in the Avengers, I don't remember which one it was. Maybe the last one, Endgame. 
Oh, really? Yeah, where it's okay. like the the girl power scene, but like it flips up and Gwyneth Paltrow's oh, right, mask right, right. pops up. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, they, they didn't do that good at all. Well, it's even worse than that one is like the original Avengers when when it's showing from like the point of view of, of Loki and he's like opening his, after he's just been like beaten like a rag doll by Hulk, <laughs> yeah. which was a great scene. But but then you see the camera angle like from his view and it's looking up at the Avengers like like Tony's face and like I think oh, the Hulk man. was really bad. I need to go back and watch. Yeah, it's it's awful. But it's kind of that same thing. It's like the way, you know, they're clearly not wearing that whole suit thing. So there's like this integration between like practical, yeah, like r- his real face and then the suit and like, man, it's... It's always so disappointing because it seems like, and again, this is my own ignorance sort of chiming in here, but it seems like that practicality, meaning like, why not just have, maybe it's just too bulky, I guess. Why not just have a helmet yeah. that opens, man? Well, I mean, I, they sell them at, at Target. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing that's weird, though, is like this movie, every single scene that you see his face in the suit, like, it's just like. It's also what, whenever he's alongside the other Barry. Oh, it's Did bad. you notice that? It's like, man, you guys don't want to do the Back to the Future trick where you just like shoot half yeah. of the thing. It's it's almost like they're like, okay, we got like we got maybe one or two takes with this kid before he just like tries to eat somebody. Goes off the rails. Let's yeah. just use the CGI. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean it's it is pretty bad, man. And it's kind of a bummer because I do think I think like the directing and stuff is pretty good. Yeah. Again, our theme pops up where it's like like it's a confused yeah it doesn't really know what it's trying to do Mm -hmm. and i just i i I don't know why like it's like okay dc this is this is your perfect chance to to basically kind of do your avengers not that not like as like a team Mm -hmm. per se although it is kind of a team Mm -hmm. movie Mm -hmm. really but it's like, you know, the suit is like pretty bright. Like people always talk about like the Avengers. They're like, they weren't afraid. They weren't trying to just be dark. They mm-hmm. they weren't afraid to like let it be like a comic book. Yeah. And this is your chance. And it's like, you know, I let I let my oldest daughter Amelia watch it. And, you know, it's like it's like, do we really need to hear like him say like like Six times now. I will. I, I think he only says it once, but I will say no, that scene was hilarious. <clears throat> so I think maybe, maybe going back to what I said earlier is like, is it a thing because of where we are in life and how old our kids are? See, for me, my oldest is getting closer to the teen age, and it's like mm-hmm. that scene, and he's a boy. That scene That's different, was though, hilarious. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I think I don't know, but uh, dude, I can't believe I forgot to talk about this. I will tell you one of my other favorite parts about this movie. Hmm. Bruce Wayne at the very beginning. I'm not Bruce Wayne. When he's Batman, okay, he's riding on that motorcycle. Let's talk about the color scheme of the costume, pal. Oh, it's awesome. It's like the old school gray yeah. and blue, man. Yeah, it's it's straight up uh, like Dark Knight Returns. It, like that floored me, dude. Because you've never yeah. seen that in a movie ever. Although I do have a critique about that also. Go um, ahead. If you go back and watch, like, there's some weird CGI mouth stuff. Oh, really? With that, too. Yeah, it's almost like, which I was wondering if was done on purpose because it is kind of supposed to be like an alternate reality. So, mm. so you know, and it's like, okay, you have the, like, the Dark Knight Rises 
motorcycle, you know, but he's wearing like a different suit, which I did not like the suit when it shows the full suit. What are you talking about? Like the, the, you're talking about the blue and gray? uh, Yeah. I mean, the colors are great, but like when you see him like standing up talking to Wonder Woman, he has like this weird, go back and watch it. It's okay. It's it's bizarre. But I'm wondering if, if they were kind of, if that was all sort of purposeful, it's like, oh, this is like an alternate reality. Things are a little bit different. He's sort of a mix between, uh, Christian like, Bale. Yeah, like Batfleck and Christian Bale. And so like the voice was a little weird at times. And then and then but but then it didn't make sense because then you have Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, she's regular, Alfred's the same. Yeah, I think that part is supposed to be the same same universe. Oh well, as as you know, the original Barry or like, you know, the the Justice League one. Oh, well then they just <laughs> they just it's just bad then. Yeah, go yeah. back and watch like just the his mouth and like the speech of Ben Affleck. We'll return after these messages. This is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. So I agree with you. It's a movie that doesn't really necessarily know what it's trying to accomplish, but if you kind of like break it down to sim- like just simplify it, it's like there's a kid who thinks he has the ability to potentially save his mom's life to yeah. prevent something. So then there's a time travel aspect here, which, yeah, right. of course, you know I'm going to love. Oh, yeah. But, like, the dialogue and interactions that and those themes that are rep- repeated throughout the movie where Barry, it's kind of cool because I think this movie really, in a way, shows more than ever the sort of mentor that Bruce is to Barry because mm. Barry's dad's mm-hmm. in jail, you know? Yeah. And so he gives him a little bit more direction. And there's some like powerful things he says about like, you know, the our past is really what makes us who we are. And so you shouldn't, yeah. you know, or he says something like our scars are what make us who we are. I mean, something, you know, it's kind yeah. of cheesy comic booky stuff, but no, it's, man, it is true awesome. though, man. Like, yeah. and then the same thing whenever he meets the other Bruce, Keaton, Mm-hmm. That same kind of theme is is throughout. There's a bu- oh, and let me just say this too before we get too far into it, dude. Supergirl is yeah. so freaking bad at the bone. Yeah, like I want a Supergirl movie with her as Supergirl. She is freaking incredible, dude. Yeah, I, I thought so when I first saw like the production stills originally. She had like this harness on and like these like fake abs under the suit i mean it looked so bad <laughs> i was just like what are we doing like what are we doing but i think like the old school like for our comic fans out there like elseworlds that was a thing that dc did where they're like oh like gotham by gaslight where it's like okay here's a batman mm-hmm. story where he's looking for like jack the ripper in victorian england it, it was a chance for them to kind of like go off the rails and do like 
oh, maybe in an alternate universe, this happened, you know? Yeah. And I'm always a fan of that stuff. I think it's amazing. I mean, yeah. to be honest, it's kind of how they treated the Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no, you know, this doesn't fit in any, like, ongoing Batman canon kind of thing, but here's Joker in the 70s, and it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm always, like, a huge fan of that. So... I at first I was like, oh God, why are why are we not just having like Superman? Like like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because to me like the sort of the I don't know your girl version of the heroes like Supergirl. There's like oh now we have a Green Lantern girl. Like that's something that that has been going on since like you know yeah. the fifties. But there's a little cheesiness to it. It's yeah, like, like Spider Woman. They're they're always just like not as cool. Yeah, they're not as, as cool. Like the, and they were created. I mean, let's be straight. They were created just to be like, hey, this is such a popular character. Mm-hmm. Let's do a girl version, so yeah. girls will be into it, which yeah. never really worked. Yeah. But no, I totally agree, dude. I was like blown away. And then also, and I don't know if you picked up on this. Did you ever play like the original? I think it was Zelda. Super <laughs> Zelda, yeah. Um, I think it was Super NES. Maybe not. Like the original like Superman game. I mean, probably, dude, but uh, I don't remember it. It was kind of like a side-scroller kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. And you're walking around just like fighting everybody. But, but there's a move that he would do in that where he like holds his hands up like in boxing position and then he like slams them to the ground and it like propels him forward. Mm. And she does that, like, constantly. Yeah. And I wonder if that was, like, a purposeful move. I mean, it had to be. Yeah. Dude, that's that's really cool. Yeah. But she looked great. I, I, thought, I her, thought her acting was incredible, dude. Whenever yeah. they discover why she's there and Kalel isn't, and she's just, yeah. like, yelling. Dude, oh, I have yeah. this, like, I love it when someone can just be so sort of primal and yeah, just right. yelling, like, the, what would you, I mean, like, what did you do? Yeah. Like that. I agree. Oh, it's so cool, dude. And then, you know, that you see this scene in the trailer where she flies straight through a Scud missile or whatever. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Oh, man, she's just so cool. What, dude, like, imagine just being like a young kid her age. I'm pretty sure this is like one of the first things that she's done, and she just lands this incredible role, and she yeah. does it well. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if, because James Gunn, I guess, came in when this movie was pretty much already filmed. So I know he's kind of gutting all of like the universe to start sort of start over with like a younger cast, which I think is smart and it does, you know, have some like foresight involved. But I wonder if, if he's going to hang on to her, you know, because she is like young and. Yeah. I don't know. know. I hope so. I I mean, that's, that's the toughest part of his, his job right now and talk about scrutiny that he's going to be under boy yeah yeah apparently and i haven't i I've, i haven't seen much about it but apparently i guess people are calling for his like him to be fired because he had all these these like tweets yeah they I mean, did that back in guardians of the galaxy days though yeah but he's like just tra- like apparently there's like tweet after tweet after tweet where he's just trashing like batman <laughs> <laughs> and so all oh. of you are like, like, what, super, like what is he saying what is I don't he know saying? I I didn't look into it a ton I just I, I read like a brief little thing about it but I thought that was a little bit but I mean what a, what better job 
would you want to have, in my opinion? Like, that's all the reason for him to potentially work on this for now. Yeah. It's like, maybe he creates a better one. I mean, you know, if there's something you don't like about a character, dive into its world and make it what you want, you know? Well, and if I it think, sucks, then, you know, the, think, the market will say so. I think he was bashing, like, the original, like, comic version, mm. just as a whole. <laughs> you and mean, so like, your the early super days? fans are like, F- you! Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I... I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, boy, DC. Well, I, you know, I never thought I would say this, but I think Marvel's in equally bad shape where it's like the, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think you and I disagree on this, but I think Quantumania, I was pleasantly surprised with it. I guess I got to keep going. I couldn't even get through it, man. I was just like, God, I thought like visually it wasn't great. See, I think uh, good. The acting was kind of like, oh, oh, now his daughter. Uh, yeah, see, sucks, there's dude. there's that same kind of his daughter. It, 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 I don't know. She now sucks. she's not a great actress. No, no. But yeah, no. I, I thought I thought the Flash was pretty. Like it had some really funny moments. So the thing that's weird is like I'm actually I've been like a pretty big fan of Ezra Miller, like his acting for a while. Like I, I just think he's he's a quirky like. Weird. Well, I thought he was a quirky kind of weird dude, but like, turns out he's like real weird. Yeah. But I, I do agree with you on this movie. Like, there are some like little things where you're like, this guy's like, there's some like bizarre like <laughs> choices, like in in just the way he like chooses to like do certain things within the role. Yeah, I don't know. It's odd. I was confused. Now he has like a Latina mom. Mm-hmm. That was very confusing because he doesn't really look. Hispanic. Yeah, and I mean, usually Alan isn't a... Uh, well, I mean, that I mean, the comes mom. from his, yeah, his dad. It, but you know what I mean. We're just trying to teach Tyler how names work today. Uh, speaking of Latin... Although I thought she was, I mean, I thought she was hot for like Yeah, no, she did great. Uh, but speaking of Latin, a movie that I could care less about could, seeing, and it's kind of sad because I kind of like the character, is that new Blue Beetle movie. Uh, I actually, dude, it's, yeah, but that kid's from Cobra Kai, man. I know. But his acting is not always the best. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It looks kind of cool. I, I'm just, you know, uh, the thing is, too, I, f- I just feel like, I don't know. I, it's it's kind of hard, man. Both Marvel and DC have a kind of tough situation because they've done really well with big name characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what now, right? And so they're just kind of like, Whoa, you know, like, pulling from, you know, within the depths of the archive here and, mm-hmm. or just remakes. And it's like, hey, I don't know. It's just tough. It's like, on one, on one hand, you want to just say, well, I'll just kind of give it a rest. Like, I didn't really watch all of Loki. I should, but I'm just like exhausted by it. Dude, same Loki's goes, awesome, man. Same goes with Star Wars. I mean, Ahsoka's cool and I'm enjoying it, but like, is it really necessary? <laughs> I mean, you know, I like... I started it. But. I'm just so kind of fatigued by it all. Yeah. That I feel like there's sort of... Now, I will say, there's elements of Obi-Wan that I really liked, that show. Mm. There's elements of um, Ahsoka that I'm really digging. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think that the way that I look at... I think the smartest thing that could be done at this point is... And I don't know, maybe they tried to do this with... With Blue Beetle, and again, I haven't seen it, so maybe I'm unfairly judging it. But God Almighty, that 
I mean, it just, it looks. I mean, it certainly looks better than Quantumania. D- no way. Yes, dude. dude. Go back and watch Quantumania. I, dude, in that part in the trailer, whenever he does that, like, cool, almost anime move with that, like, sword thing. Come on, that's amazing. Quantumania is like, oh, dad. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> You're crazy. Um, but no, I, I think, I think the key is basically doing what James Gunn did with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I mean, th- that was a property that nobody want, nobody asked for that movie to be made. Right. But I think I think if any team that it would have even been, it would have been just as good, I think. Like you know what I mean? It it was it was kind of down to like the casting, the directing. So any any like sort of franchise isn't the right word but like any sort of character or character like team that you would have Mm -hmm. used all the TLC and like the love that they put into the that movie the original one especially I think it would have been just as good so to me like I just don't know why we're not taking big swings like that and I mean it's you know it's like it's very stylized it's had it has its own like thing that like very like 70s early Mm -hmm. 80s thing you know yeah it's just like i don't know it's it's weird to me and it's such a missed opportunity that like dc isn't doing like more of that yeah i just i don't you know it's tough too because would i mean guardians galaxy man i don't know it's hard to say i was gonna say it's probably my favorite franchise in that whole Mm -hmm. universe but like would it do as well if it wasn't sort of intermixed with the other movies, including some of the other characters, too. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, to me, like, they kind of stand, they have the, they can stand alone pretty yeah. well. Yeah. And, and honestly, I kind of, anytime you see them with other characters, like, it's cool, but it's sort of like, yeah, but I'm okay with, like, like, I kind of just want another Guardians movie. Yeah. You know, I feel like that trilogy might be up there with, in my opinion, one of the most perfect trilogies mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it's weird to think of it as a trilogy, just because there's so many like you see them in cameos like, and stuff. Thor, yeah. yeah, like different cameos and stuff. But yeah, I think it's so good, man. A couple other movies coming out or shows rather that that new like Wheel of Time. Season. Oh, yeah, it came out right season two. I think so. I haven't seen it yet. Me but neither. I need. To I, love I feel like I need that. to go back and rewatch season one again just to kind of get into it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I love um, it. You know, I never really, I never watched the second uh, Shadow and Bone either. Dude, I didn't either. And that was another like another one that I really yeah. I really liked. I still think you need to to give that new like Superman animated series a try. I tried looking for it, man. I don't know. It's on Max. It's just My Adventures with Superman. My Adventures, okay. Yeah. And there's this other show on Max that I just happened to like stumble across and it's called A Discovery of Witches. Hmm. I've heard of that. I've heard of that, but I don't know anything about it. Good, dude. Is it like what? Like fantasy? Is like Um, modern day? What? Like? I mean, I don't want to give it away, but yeah, it's sort of like like modern day sort of alternate reality where, and I, I mean, they talk about like witches, but in my opinion, they're not really like witches. They're almost like mutants. Hmm. It's not like anybody can just like become a witch. It's like you're kind of born with. Whatever. So it's just sort of a placeholder title, I think, right. in my opinion. Okay. But then, like, you have like demons and like vampires, and and they're all like sort of intermixed in this like world. It, 
I mean, it sounds cheesy when I say it, but it's done really well and really like subtle. Mm-hmm. There's hints of like Twilight, which sounds awful because I do not like Twilight at all. But I feel like they do it. They do it right. Like you should just watch the first the first episode. It's pretty cool. Is it like it sounds? Kind of, so it's kind of teeny bopperish. No, 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 not at all. But it, but just sort of the like the I don't want to say love interest, but just some of the sort of relational aspects of the show feel sort of like oh you're kind of doing a more grown up version of you know Twilight. Okay. 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 So here's something that. I want to talk to you about that I discovered and I'm so fascinated with this and I think it's so cool. And actually, oddly enough, speaking of like Twilight, there's a director that I ran across and, you know, with movies like uh, Border of the Line, Hamlet 3, Master Vile's Midnight Shock Theater, End of the Rope, Delete Your Facebook. Do you recognize any of these movies? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason I'm asking is because it's by this director named Alan Smithy. Does that name sound familiar to you? No. So I discovered this little fact where basically this title, Alan Smithy, is a is actually a pseudonym. And it's used by film directors and has been since back in 1968, where basically if you're if you're a director, right, and say yeah. you make a movie and, you know, I mean, this is a perfect, like, movie episode, really. Uh, mm-hmm. But if, say you make a movie and the studio just can't keep its hands out of it and, like, all of your decisions that you had, your your big vision that you had, it just keeps getting, like, compromised and watered down. Basically, as a director, you would uh, basically go in front of, like, a guild the Directors Guild of America, you would go in front of a guild panel and you would, if you could prove that their satisfaction, that like basically you weren't able to exercise your your full creative control over a film, and if it went along with like all of the, you know, the guild rules and you couldn't publicly talk about the circumstances, basically you could sign off on it and change your name to Alan Smithy. Wow. So, like, basically, there is a catalog of movies under this under this under Alan Smithy's name. Yeah, and they're just like director cut versions of them, kind of. Uh, No, 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 no. Like, we're talking like, like, uh, like, oddly enough, Rudy was actually one of them. And I would, yeah, I would say that Rudy was like such a great movie. Uh, The Twilight Zone movie was one of them. There's a few that were like actually good movies that just sort of had different circumstances. Like, I think the Twilight movie, there was... Well, well, hold on, because, like, I'm just looking this up here. There's one that's coming out that Alan Smithy's doing called Anatar. And let me give you you the synopsis, folks. After causing the collapse (laughs) of their own planet, the Anatar people of humanoid aliens who evolved from ducks are searching for a new celestial body to call a nest. During their wanderings in space, they land on Pandoro, a place where living beings in nature have found their strange balance. Love, war, spaceships, and space ducks are the ingredients of this grotesque modern fairy tale about accepting what is different from us. And the cover uh, are, it's basically just like blue ducks. Of course. And um, it just, you know, it reminds me of that 
Adam Sandler line when he's like, well, I drew the duck blue. I, I mean... Yeah, so so basically the, the pseudonym was created in 1968 for a film called Death of a Gunfighter. And during its film filming, the lead actor, Richard Widmark, was unhappy with the director, Robert Totten, and arranged to have him replaced by Don Siegel, which is kind of interesting that... I don't know, just, I think just because the scale was so much smaller that it could be like, oh, this actor doesn't like the director. Get him out of here. Get old Alan Smithy. Bring another guy in. So Siegel, Don Siegel, later estimated that he had spent nine to 10 days filming while Totten had spent 25 days. Each had roughly an equal amount of footage in Siegel's final edit, but Siegel made clear that Widmark had effectively been in charge the entire time. Uh, when the film was finished, Siegel did not want to take credit for it, and Totten refused to take credit for it because he, you know, he, he felt it was so compromised. And then there was like a hearing with the DGA panel, the Directors Guild panel, and the dispute agreed that the film did not represent either director's creative vision. Uh, the original pr- proposal was to credit the fictional Al Smith, but the name was deemed too common and was already in use within the film industry. The last name was changed to Smythe, then Smithy, which was thought to be a distinctive enough to avoid confusion with similar names, but without drawing attention to itself. Critics would praise the film and its new director. Uh, the New York Times commenting that the film was sharply directed by Alan Smithy, who has an Android facility of, to detail. And Roger Ebert would comment saying the director, Alan Smithy, a name I'm not familiar with, allows his story to unfold naturally. So... I, what, I I just thought that was so cool. It's weird because as you're kind of scrolling through the the list of like the filmography for Alan Smithy, there's you see some a strange mix of like things like one called Beach Cops in yeah, 2008, and then yeah. there's like Heroes in Chains Volume Two, mm-hmm. Hamlet Three because the first two weren't good <laughs> enough. Jeez, um, <laughs> man! But I'm not seeing Rudy, pal. No, no, no. It's in there. It's in there. There's a list. You'll find it. There's a list that's like Alan Smithy movies that were actually good. <laughs> Alan Smithy movies that were actually good. <laughs> there, there's actually, and I, I wanted to find it before the episode, but I just, I couldn't resist. I had to bring it up. But there's actually like a documentary mm. uh, called an Alan Smithy film, Burn, Hollywood Burn. <laughs> um, oh, man. So, imagine yeah. what's funny is like scrolling through, this, there's a lot more sort of television episodes. So imagine being like the director or, or whatever it is, and, you know, it's the Cosby show or whatever, and you're, like, watching, and you're like, wait a minute, no. I don't remember this episode, and yeah. it's totally different, and it's hilariously bad. Yeah. Go for it, Alan Smithy. Wow, that's interesting. I guess that's who should have done the most recent, speaking of, you know, superhero movies, Fantastic Four, the bomb from a couple years ago. Oh, God. Yeah, that would have been a perfect one. But yeah, what, what I was saying about the Twilight Zone movie, this is an interesting one because, you know, all the other ones, for the most part, are very like, oh, there's a disagreement or somebody was replaced, you know, that kind of thing. In the Twilight Zone movie, the second assistant director, Anderson House, used the pseudonym for the first segment in which actor Vic Morrow and, and two children were killed in a helicopter accident mm, Yeah, during production. This represents a rare instance where the Alan Smithy credit was taken by an assistant director. Man. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, some of these movies are like, recognize? A lot of them I don't. Well, like the Bloodsucking Pharaohs in Pittsburgh. Never heard of it. Now, uh, speaking of obscure movies like that. Oh, The Birds Part Two. Oh, cool, man. They came back. 
Yep. Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence. Mm, okay. Oh, Hellraiser Bloodline. Interesting. Speaking of obscure movies and stuff, dude, I discovered this treasure trove on YouTube of full movies that someone has uploaded of like really hard to find uh, 80s horror movies that are just like either very difficult to find on VHS or whatever. They're definitely not streaming anywhere. Mm. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Anyway, I created a playlist that uh, I'm happy to share with uh, you and anyone listening. All you got to do is yeah, just dude. shoot us an email or send me a or send us a uh, Instagram message or something, and I'll send you the link to the the playlist I created of all these just random one of them. So this is again in my eternal search for this yeah. movie that I that I've been searching <laughs> for all my life. I, I actually watched one that I'd never seen before called Oh No. I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Oh crap, I forget. But anyway, I like put that horror on the, movie. Yeah, 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 from the eighties. Yeah. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can figure that out while we're talking. But anyway, I'll share the playlist because it's got some really, really good stuff that you know you can't really find very often. Like if there's one called, uh, well, obviously I put Sleepaway Camp on there because you know gotta have yeah, it. Classic. But I mean, just a bunch that I had either never heard of or I remember seeing the cover, you know. And it's just everything from early '80s to late '80s and yeah. early '90s. I mean, a bunch of like sort of cheap summer camp slasher stuff, that kind of thing. I feel like, I don't know, you may not agree with me on this, but I feel like there was a period where you had like the 80s was just full on kind of embracing like the campiness and horror. And it was, you know, for the most part, all practical effects. Mm. I feel like that there's like a little, uh, and I mean, there's some great movies within this like era, but like early 90s, there was like a little bit of like a changeover. And to me, that's like my least favorite mm -hmm. time, especially with like horror movies. Yeah. Because it just gets like, it's still over the top, but it's not doing like the campy thing. It's like, there's nothing practical. It's very like early CGI. And it just, it's such a, I don't know, such a blah, kind of down yeah. era for, for movies, especially in horror. So the movie, real quick, that I watched, just in case, and it was pretty close in some areas, is a movie called Doom Asylum, which came out in uh, 1987. Anyway, so, I mean, there's over, I got over, like, around, I think, 65 different full-length, obscure 80s and 90s movies on there. Anyway, it, you know, it's worth just kind of having that list so that you can watch a bunch of random stuff that you uh, never get a chance to. Some of it's so crappy. Some of it's... Interesting and strange concepts, man. Some of the stuff that they uh, they did back in the eighties. I can't believe sometimes the things that actually made it to film. I guess it was Alan Smithy, dude. I would I would say there's at least one Alan Smithy movie in there. You're probably right. One thing that I want to kind of cover. I know we don't talk a ton about comics, but I figure you know this episode is real random, and that is this new series is coming out. I think it's next week. It'll be coming out, but it's. We will return after these messages. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense. For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. This is Joshua Cutchen, and you're at my home for weirdness. That would be rad.
my pal and somewhat mentor and uh, just huge inspiration in my own work. And that is Brazil's own uh, Raphael Grandpa. Yes, dude. I um, can't wait. Dude, he's coming out with this new book called Batman Gargoyle of Gotham. And I'm just going to read this sort of like little little thing about it. Well, I'll kind of paraphrase. But basically, he came out and with this book called Mesmo Delivery. And it was put out by Dark Horse Comics. Uh, this was like, you know... I don't know, years ago, 2008 or nine or something like that. And it's so bizarre, so weird, but just his like take on like, like cartooning and like creating comics is just, was just such a like totally unique in his vision of like how comics were made. He would go on to, he made this book called Berserker, which was a book that, you know, basically it was Keanu Reeves. Uh, Keanu was like behind the book and Raphael did all the covers and it made it like the biggest selling book of all last year just because of his variant covers. He, you know, has done a ton of covers like Wonder Woman, Action Comics. He did a book with Frank Miller called The Dark Knight Returns, The Golden Child, which it may not be like my favorite of his. He's just like, he's such a brilliant like inker with like a brush. Um, a lot of like the tick marks that I do are like totally inspired by his work. But it's basically this is his chance to like kind of throw his hat in the ring for him to do what Frank Miller did back in 1986 and come out with like his very own sort of Dark Knight Returns, you know, new, completely new sort of vision for like a new Batman. Mm, mm -hmm. And I guess it's coming out. Oh, let's see here. It's going to be coming out in time for Batman Day, which is Saturday, September 16th. It says it brings his twisted vision of both the Dark Knight and the city of Gotham to life in a tale that reaches its icy black tendrils into the deepest and darkest corners of human nature to leave you gasping for breath and begging for more. One of the things about this book is that, and it's kind of interesting because like him and I sort of talked about this before. I'm not going to give anything away, but he had told me this idea that he had for the book years ago. And I was just sort of like, Jesus, man, that's like, that's a, I didn't really say this to him, but it was like, wow, that's a, that's a big sort of swing, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but I kind of think like we've seen Batman in every sort of incarnation through the years that I almost think you kind of have to do those things, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, I don't know, uh, I guess specifically what you're referring to, but I think it's going to be really cool. Like, I mean, the 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 artwork that I've seen so far, and I mean, obviously, anything that he's done, it, it just, oh, man, it looks incredible. Yeah. So listen to this, and this is immediately going to give you what I'm saying. This blurb says, in a, in a Gotham City where every day feels darker and more irredeemable than the last, Batman makes a definitive choice to kill off the Bruce Wayne identity for good and embrace the cape and cowl full time. But though he knows the streets of Gotham, Batman will soon come to find that he hardly knows himself. A serial killer is on the loose, and while the murder victims seem random at first, every clue draws Batman closer to the terrifying truth that they are all connected, not just to each other, but to him as well. There's like a completely new rogues gallery, all new bad guys, no Joker, no, none of those guys. They're all new. Um, Man, see, that that's exciting to me because... 
like we were saying earlier, there's almost this fatigue with the same old stories, the same old yeah. characters, re you know rehashing of them. I mean, that's I'm I'm not really looking forward to if if they do another movie with Pattinson or whatever. Padding Paddington. Oh no, no, they are, I, dude. Actually, I'm gra- I'm glad you brought this up. I just saw a thing yesterday that was talking about. I guess he was asked about. There's sort of a. I don't know if it's like a sort of in the rumor mill going around that like there could be possibly like a Robin in that Batman universe. And he said, the only way that I'm cool with that is if we get a kid that's like 12 or 13 years old, mm-hmm. which I think would be so exciting. Because yeah, no, no, no. that stuff's cool. I'm just saying like the the Joker design. Oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah. No, I'm talking about like just, I mean, you can go back and listen to our Batman episode, uh, but Woody and I both were just ra- we just raved about it because we both thought it was fantastic. The Batson, yeah, uh, Batman. But I do think that it could be cool to introduce like finally like a kid Batman, you know, in such like a dark setting. I mean, it reminds me of a kid Batman, or you? Mean- I mean, I mean, sorry, sorry, a kid Robin. It's yeah, it's why I love like. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns so much because you have the Robin is a girl, Carrie Kelly, and she's like a young kid and like everything, including Batman and like all the villains and stuff, everything's so dark and gritty and this sort of alternate universe like where they're in like the Reagan era, like 80s, uh, sort of Cold War. But then you have Carrie Kelly and she her suit's like sort of bright and it's like she was sort of plucked out of like the 66 Batman with, like, Burt Ward, Robin, you know. So it was a cool, like, contrast, and I can only imagine, like, how that would look in that sort of world that they've created for, like, the new yeah. the Batman. Yeah, true. I think that could be cool. But, yeah, get out there and get this book, Batman Gargoyle of Gotham. It's going to be a huge book. I mean, they released it at San Diego Comic-Con this past year, or, or this past, in the last couple of months, and it was just you know, kind of gangbusters. There's, like, a ton of alternate covers with, like, Jim Lee, Frank Miller, one of my favorites, Paul Pope. Like, it's going to be a massive book. Oh, and one of the cool things, too, is that one of the things about Raphael is, like I said, he, he's a, an absolutely brilliant inker. You know, everything's, like, with a brush. Well, he's he's moved over to doing everything now digitally, which is a little bit of a bummer for me. But I will say, like... I was a little disappointed on his work with like the Golden Child, like the um, a Dark Knight or the Dark Knight Returns, the Golden Child that he did with with Frank Miller because it was all none of it was brush, it was all pen, and you know you could tell that he was trying to kind of like because it was in the Dark Knight Returns sort of world, you know. I mean, it was yeah. a Frank Miller written book, so like he was really leaning into that. It was a lot grittier and kind of messier. And so even though he's doing this new stuff like digitally, it it has the feel of like his his other stuff. So all that to say, everybody was like, well, where can we, you know, your big art collectors and stuff was like, okay, this book's great, but where can I get a, like just the inks only version, like the black and white version? Yeah. And that's like my biggest thing that I will scour the earth to find those editions. And nine times out of 10, they're either... Italian, but most times uh, the French editions. Mm-hmm. And so he did release, uh, and actually you can still get it on on Amazon. There's like a French 
version where it's like it has like all the colored regular version and then it has inks only with no no words so it's just like the high-res scans of like just what he did like his inks uh and so people were asking for that so much on this last book that he basically had dc agree okay well i'll do this but i want to release at the same time that I really released the first issue, I also want to release the noir edition that's all just in black and white. Man, so that'd that's, be killer. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And it's, it's funny because I never thought that I would be even close to being excited about anything black and white until getting into manga. Oh, dude. I, I mean, I still, if, if I could choose one thing to make in like black and white large format would be Paul Pope's sort of big swing Batman Year 100. Mm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. so amazing. And just the work in there is just incredible. I mean, that's another, like I said, like another big swing. It's so like, I don't know, admirable to these guys that take, like you said, these these characters like Batman that it's like, oh, well, we've seen, we've heard ed- everything. We know everything about the character. Like what possibly could you do? Well then, you know, Paul Pope did this thing. I, I guess early 2000s, I always want to say 90s, but I don't think it was in the 90s, where he did like a full run and it's like set in like a Blade Runner type future where like the police are like almost like teams. And so they're all into these different teams are kind of like going after like criminals and sort of he's always like on the hunt. It's a futuristic Batman and he's like this Latino dude. But then it shows like, you know, and I don't want to spoil it for you folks that haven't read Batman Year 100 because it is like absolutely amazing. But, you know, you see it does show like, oh, the Batman is like a mantle. And I think that's like the big sort of, you know, takeaway on this book that was that was really cool. That's super awesome, man. Yeah, dude. Well, cool, man. I think we have enough randomness uh, (laughs) for one episode. Again, happy birthday, Woody. Thanks, man. You're my closest friend on the planet. And on the one hand, it is a little sad because, you know, you being 49, just you don't, have, cut a, it out, you don't have a ton of time left. <laughs> but uh, oh. I just want you to know that I appreciate you and we appreciate you here on the show. And well, I, appreciate, uh, yeah. I appreciate that, man. So happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to find us, uh, head on over to Instagram, drop us some comments, shoot us a DM. Uh, if you want to tell us you know, an urban legend in your town or like what comics you're into at the moment or what obscure 80s horror movies that maybe we've missed or that maybe is not, that did not make Woody's list. Mm -hmm. You can shoot us a DM, shoot us a comment. If you want to tell us a longer story and are more comfortable with like email, head on over to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Or even better than all that, you can head over to thatwouldberadpodcast.com where you can leave a voice memo and maybe get featured on the show. We are coming on the uh, October Spooktacular that we do every year, which is our favorite time of the mm-hmm. year. Uh, and we really, we really would love to get your own like sort of spooky story or personal encounter or weird like fringy paranormal kind of thing that you've experienced in your own life. We'd love to hear about it, you know. And we'll throw in some spooky music and and sound design and and make it awesome. But you know, we have a lot of these, but we're trying to, we sort of have a sort of themes that we're wanna, wanting to kind of match up. And so, you know, if you've been waiting to send in your story, well, now's the time. And we'd yep. love to hear from you. Get over and give us a five-star review on whatever you're listening, however you're listening to our podcast on. It really makes a big difference. Tell a single friend, tell that weird friend at work 
that, you know, may belong to like a Bigfoot researching club on the weekends. Like that guy's going to probably love the show or maybe absolutely. Not, but, <laughs> but usually those are the folks that uh, gravitate towards the show. And uh, the more the merrier. It just, it makes this family bigger and better and it allows us to do, you know, bigger and better things. Head on over to our Patreon, The Rabbit Trail, more of what you love. And uh, yeah, buy us coffee, buy some merch. You got anything else, Woody? I, I think uh, I think you pretty well covered it. Uh, well, okay, one thing I was just thinking of, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it doesn't actually have to be something that you've experienced. We also get a fair amount of, hey, have you guys ever heard of this? Oh, or, man, right, I yeah. really want you guys to cover this because I love what you do with the the sound design and everything, yeah. and I want that story in this format. So That's if you can point. think of anything like that, in the same communication methods that Tyler mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you know, do that. Shoot us a message. You know, the, the reality and consequence, just, you know, being upfront uh, about, like, if it takes us a little bit to get back to you, we are, um, well... The good news is we're getting a lot more new listeners. And so mm-hmm. as such, we get a lot of messages and we try to get to them as soon as possible, typically yeah. on the day of. But if we don't, mm-hmm. just forgive us. And I promise you, we'll we'll get back to you sometimes. I've even been known to send a, a video on my early morning walks if, I, uh, if I'm so inclined. <laughs> so, And if you're lucky, you get to see Woody wearing his headlamp. He- well, no, no, no. I never I haven't sent any of those <laughs> yet. But yes, I what do wear a started- headlamp. Sending like infrared videos because yeah, no, no it's just dark. the lamp just like blazing into <laughs> oh, the camera yeah. lens, and they're like, I don't, this could be anyone, nice, anyway, even better. All right, cool. Well, we'll see you next week. We love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it